Well, good morning. How are we doing, friends? You guys sound wonderful today. It is, uh, it is good to be with you. And uh, yeah, just, uh, just happy to be here. Glad to be inside where it's warm uh, and not cold outside. Uh, we, uh, we need to begin with uh, what I think is some very important housekeeping that I just want to start with. Uh, a couple of months ago, Pastor Jack Magruder was able to share a very powerful message with us uh, called Prayer Play- uh, Playlist. If you haven't caught that message, you can still grab that. You can go online to wearetrinity.tv. I would encourage you to find that. Um, in that message, though, he actually said this, and I think we've got Got a little clip of that. Let's go ahead and listen to this. How about this one? This one is Dave Maxey's favorite. You need to go and make sure you ask Dave Maxey why this one's his favorite. Okay, ready? Here we go. Okay, that's Dance of the Sugar Plum Fairies from the Nutcracker Suite by Tchaikovsky. Okay. We've got to set the record straight just a little bit. A couple of things. One, thank you all for being very obedient. The amount of you who have come to me and said, Dave, I didn't know you were into ballet. Um, thank you for, for doing that. I appreciate that. Now, if ballet is your thing, you do you. I love it. I'm just here to say that it's definitely, it's, it's necessarily not my thing. Just because I can do this does not mean that I'm into ballet. It just means I'm flexible, right? Uh, but just to be clear, as we uh, talked about that particular song, Jack kind of played that. And, and to me, it reminded me more of creepy clowns than it did. Uh, dancing, you know, sugar plum fairies, which are equally as creepy if you think about it. Uh, but I just want to set the record straight there. Uh, I'm not a huge fan of creepy things. I am a fan of community, though, uh, which is where we're going to go this morning. And hopefully you're picking up just a little bit. I, I love the fact that we can have fun together, that we can live life together, right? We can do this thing called life together. Uh, hopefully you're picking up. Jack and I like to kind of poke a little bit at one another. And uh, I love that we don't have to do this thing called life alone alone, that we can help one another uh, become more into the image of Jesus and we can point one another that way. Uh, We have been in a series called Do One Thing, and if you haven't picked up on it at this point, we are actually going through kind of covering all the bases. What are the things as a disciple of Jesus that you and I would need to have uh, in our toolkit, if you will, so that we we could be disciples who make disciples? And we've covered a lot of ground. This particular month, we are focusing on community. Uh, Pastor Marvin started us off with the very simple idea that you and I were not made to do life alone, right? Community, being, being doing this thing called life together is something that God created you and I to do. We actually see that in the very second chapter of, of Genesis, it is not good for man to be alone. And so we uncovered first, you and I were made to be in community. Uh, last week, uh, Carolyn was, was able to share with us just this idea that, that we are not only doing this thing together, but we are to love one another another till our very last breath, the ahava, right? We learned this last week and, and just very, very powerful. Um, today, we're going to continue in our, our talk and just our learning and our understanding of community. And I want to do a couple of things if we do, uh, if, if I'm able to do my job well here this morning before we leave. One, I just want to give us a very simple practical definition of what, what do we mean when we say community? Uh, what are we talking about? And specifically, uh, we'll hit that in relation to what, what about the, the life in the community of Trinity. What do, what do I mean when we say community? So we'll talk about that. Uh, and then we are going to uncover three themes that we will see in our text today. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to read those themes to you now. I'll read them a little bit fast, but don't worry about it. We'll come back to each one of these uh, and dive a little bit deeper. But the three themes are this. First, gospel community is built on the choice of devotion. 
Number two, gospel community is always expressed through self-sacrifice. And number three, gospel community is a place for everyone who repents and believes. Uh, Again, we're going to come back to these as we dive uh, a little bit deeper today. I actually want to begin our time by reading three passages of Scripture. Uh, I'm going to read these to us and, and just to kind of, to kind of set, our, set our heart and, and reset us just for a little bit. First of all, let's not forget that we're reading the words of God, right? The creator of the universe. Uh, God has come in flesh and, and, uh, and lived as you and I, and he, he was born and died and took our place. And, and this God who made a way that we could know him has given us a word that reveals who he is and what he's done. So, so keep that in mind as we read. Uh, secondly, um, these, these are passages that kind of describe what was it like in this first century church, um, and especially as we're pressing into the idea of community. So think about the sights and the sounds and even the smells that were taking place as we read. Um, think about the, the idea of the Jews were under Roman rule and some of the things that, that took place. We're going we're gonna to start in the book of Acts and, and maybe some of the oppression. and what, what must have it been like at that time? Uh, think of the, the homes and the houses and just the, the culture as we look and as we, as we kind of read a little bit of what we're, uh, we're, we're kind of getting a word picture here of what God is doing and what God in the very first century church began to uncover. So with that in mind, I want to begin to read. We're going to be first in Acts chapter 2, and I'm going to look at verse 42 uh, as I read this morning. It says, And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship, to the breaking of bread, And the prayers. And awe came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. And all who believed were together and had all things in common, and they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. And day by day, attending the temple together, breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. We're going to flip over to just one more page here in my Bible. This is Acts chapter 4. And I want to look at a chunk of a passage here beginning in verse 32 where this will be on the screen. Now the full number of those who believed were of one heart and soul, and no one said that any of the things that belonged to him was his own. But they had everything in common, and with great power the apostles were giving their testimony to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ, and great grace was upon them all. There was not a needy person among them, for as many as were owners of lands or houses sold them and brought the proceeds of what was sold and laid it at the apostles' feet, and it was distributed to each as any had need." We're going to look at one more passage this morning, and this is going to be found in the uh, book of Colossians. And uh, as we look at Colossians, we're going to look at chapter 3 of Colossians. And I'm going to jump down to uh, Colossians 3. We're going to look at verse 11 and begin to read this. Again, get this word picture. These are, these, are, uh, these are descriptions of what you and I, as we respond to what this looks like. Verse 11, Here there is not Greek and Jew, circumcised and uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave, free, but Christ is all and in all. 
Put on, then, as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience, bearing with one another, and if one has a complaint against another, forgiving each other, as the Lord has forgiven you, so you must also forgive. And above these things, put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony, and let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you were called into one body, and be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God, and whatever you do, in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. I want to invite you to pray with me this morning as we continue to dive into God's word. So Father in heaven, we just, we just paused right now. We've, just, uh, we've looked at three pretty substantial sections of your word. Uh, God, it is my prayer this morning that as we just dive a little bit deeper in some of the, the themes and the truths that we can see, Holy Spirit, I just ask and invite you that you would open our eyes to see what you would have for us this morning. Lord, I'm just a man, and I recognize that today, but Holy Spirit, you live within every believer. And so as we seek is our, our, our purpose here at Trinity, Lord, we want to be attentive to you, Holy Spirit. Would you make us attentive to you this morning? Would you show us where we might need to repent? Would you empower us where we might need to just obey and step into places where we haven't? Would you speak to us clearly this morning as we rely on you? In your name we pray, amen. So as we look at these sections of scripture, and we're really talking about this idea of community, the first, the first thing I want to do is in the context of this first century church, in the context of even Trinity Church and the life that you and I would live, what do we really mean when we say community? I just I want to give us just kind of a simple working definition. There are probably pieces that aren't uh, you know, 100% complete, but I think, I think the way that we look at community, there's some nuances here that I, I believe I've captured that I think are helpful this morning. So with this in mind, we would say community defined would be this. Community is a people who regularly engage in authentic relationship, empowering one another to take their next step to multiplying disciples of Jesus. Let me read that one more time. It is people who regularly engage in authentic relationship, empowering one another to take their next step to multiplying disciples of Jesus. Now, if you've been around Trinity at all, or you've been here for just a few weeks, or maybe this is your first day, uh, we have used language that we've talked about in regards to community. Uh, Pastor Jack at one point has talked about the, the 3 a.m. list, right? Pastor Marmon talked about having an Ebenezer, right? These are, these are things, are they part of community, Dave? They absolutely are. Uh, is, it, is it community to have people that, that know some of the deepest parts of you and, and are able to help you and point you toward Christ? Absolutely. Is community uh, having a person in your world that just really gets you, right? They understand how you think. That's part of it. Uh, is it authentic relationships, bringing your full real self? You're not pretending to be something you're not. It absolutely is. Is community loving one another in, in kind of unconditional ways? It absolutely is. But the one nuance in all of those things that I would say, it's all of that and, and it's all of those things through this first, through the lens of surrendering to the Lordship of Jesus, 
And I think that's the difference in the nuance. It's more than just having a friendship, which we may have with, with plenty of people. Uh, maybe your, your circle is large or small in that space. But in regards to what we have, we have seen described here this morning in regards to community, there's a nuance that is different. It is bringing our entire lives together under the lordship of Jesus. And in Matthew 28, when Jesus uh, ascended into heaven and one day he'll come again, he gave this instruction, go into all the world uh, and make disciples. And so as we say, okay, Jesus, for the purpose of obeying your final, your great commission, the instructions, the homework, if you will, that we were given to carry out, community is surrounded about that command to obey the words of Jesus, to come under the idea of what does it mean to be a disciple of Jesus and help others become the same. So as we again would say that, that community is people who regularly engage in authentic relationship, empowering one another to take their next step to multiply disciples of Jesus. And so as we continue, another thing I want us just to kind of give a little bit of a framework before we dive into our, our three themes that we've already read this morning uh, is, is really kind of a biblical principle that is, is, is uh, helpful to understand. It is the difference between descriptive places in the Bible versus prescriptive places in the Bible. Simply mean the idea of this, there are places in Scripture where we just read this morning that are describing what is taking place, and yet often underneath what is being described is a theme or a principle that we could say is something that God would prescribe to us. If you, if you get a prescription, the doctor is saying, hey, this is what you need to take, this is what you need to do in order to be whole. We could look at it this way, that there are things in Scripture that, that are describing what is taking place, and our job as we study is to, is to look under, underneath the description to say, God, okay, okay, with that context, with what is happening, what are you telling me? How am I to respond to what I understand in Scripture? What are you speaking to me, Holy Spirit? That's kind of the prescriptiveness of the Word of God. Let me give you an example to help understand this. Uh, if you've read uh, the story of Peter, uh, when, when Peter was with Jesus and, and the boat was across the water, Peter in the story of Scripture walked upon the water. Now, uh, that is a description of what is happening. Does that mean we don't need boats anymore? We can all just walk on water? Uh, as cool and as fun as that would be, and I'd love to see it, who knows, maybe. Uh, that is a description of what is taking place, but yet underneath that, we get this picture of what it looks like to increase and put our whole faith and our trust in the Lordship of Jesus. And there's this expansion in Peter's heart of what it looks like to, to be revealed that God, that Jesus is God, and in fact, what does it look like to trust him? Another example might be as we look at the, the Old Testament, the Torah, and the law, there are plenty of places uh, in the Old Testament where, where they are instructed underneath the law when sins are committed in a certain way to drag that individual out to the edge of the city and to stone them to death. I mean, you know, that's not a super fun community that I want to be a part of if that's what's going down, right? Uh, that is a description of what is happening. And as we look at that, we, we, we don't necessarily pull out of the description what we should say. We look at that and, and we say, well, underneath that, there is a prescription that shows us that God takes sin seriously. And in fact, he takes it so seriously uh, that, that the payment for that sin is death. And yet, as we, we look at the totality, the whole of Scripture, we can see this, this prescriptive theme that it is a picture of what God views sin and Jesus actually took the punishment for our sin and my sin, your sin upon himself. That's the weight of that sin was placed upon him upon the cross. And we get the picture of, of what God has done in our place. And so descriptive versus prescriptive, there are places Whereas we read this morning, there are things being described, and I would, I would submit that underneath that, there are these three themes that, I, that I'm just going to pull out this morning, that that is our response to what we see in this scenario. So, 
Um, everybody with me? Great, love it. If you're not, it's time to catch up. Welcome. So, the first theme that I want to work through this morning as we, we have just read, and we read it in, in the chapter 2 of Acts, uh, and I'll just read this verse again. It, it starts in the very first section in verse 42. And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship to the breaking of bread and the prayers. Theme number one is gospel community is built upon the choice of devotion. It's built upon the choice of devotion. Devotion is a choice. Uh, it is not necessarily a feeling. Uh, it is not necessarily something that, uh, you know, just happens automatically. It is a choice. And as we study, I, lo- I love the context of this word devoted because it means a little bit more than maybe what on the surface we would pick up. This word devoted means without contingency in the original language. Think of it like this. If I'm devoted to something, I have no plan B. Right? I have no alternative. Maybe you're familiar with this story. In the year 1519, Hernan Cortez arrived in the New World with 600 men. And upon his arrival, he made history by doing this, by burning the ships that they came across the ocean on. And this sent a clear message to his men, there is no turning back. Two years later, he succeeded in completing the conquest of the Aztec Empire. This is a picture of what devotion looks like. No plan B. Hey, guys, this is the mission, the purpose we have, and we are eliminating everything and anything that would allow us to turn away from that and go back the direction we came. Devotion. Uh, you know, a couple of... Um, uh, a couple of days ago, so how, how many of you guys know, like, it's, it's super cold outside, like, it's colder than a witch's howard, right? Um, it is very cold. We had some cold days. I remember a couple of years back where we had this ice storm that went down, and it just so happened, just before that ice storm, uh, blessing of God, and it cursed at the same time. My furnace was down, uh, which kind of stunk, and at the same time, we had been burning wood in our wood insert, so I was very happy that when we lost power, we still had heat. So backing up to last week, I kind of remembered that moment and thinking, you know, it's going to get real cold. The weather, you never know. We might lose power again. And I told my wife, Bethany, like, I just really think I, you know, I'd love to get a little bit more wood in. We don't burn wood normally. Um, Our furnace is our primary source of, of heat. But I thought, you know, let's get some wood in just in case. And so, um, my, if, if you're unfamiliar, I have five, five kids. My oldest four are boys. Um, just so you know, I haven't mowed the lawn in like six years because I've got a whole group of kids, right, and working down the chain. And so this, that part's great. Uh, one of the few blessings, right, of having, having boys. Uh, Christian wasn't feeling well. My oldest, Aaron, was at work uh, at the time. And so my next oldest, and so Casey and Mike and I, we've got to go out into the woods and uh, we, we've got four acres uh, and we'll look for some standing trees that we could cut down for firewood. Uh, so we did exactly Exactly that. And so uh, out in the woods and, and found a couple trees that were, uh, were pretty big. I thought, let's cut them in three pieces. We'll drag them out of the woods and then we'll cut the smaller pieces up when we get near the house. So here we are, like three Navy SEALs packing logs, uh, getting them out of the woods. Let me correct that. We were nothing like three Navy SEALs. We're in church, but we were like three tall, lanking maxis packing logs, if that's a better, better visual picture for you, uh, getting them out of the woods. We were able to cut all the wood up. Uh, and, uh, you know, there was nothing about that experience that made me excited to go cut wood. In fact, I was sore for like three days later. Uh, my boys wouldn't admit it that they were too, but I'm, I'm pretty sure they were. Uh, but that's devotion, right? Because devotion does something. Devotion shows up when no one else does. Devotion does what is necessary when other people have chosen to do only what is easy. 
devotion says no matter how hard, no matter how unmet my expectations may have been, maybe no matter how hurt I might have been by someone else, no matter even my own happiness that is not being fulfilled, devotion is what keeps you and I present for the greater good of all. That's, that's this picture that we see of devotion. And considering community and this idea of, of living life together and, and engaging in relationship with one another, if we're all honest, I think we could say that, you know what, there are times when that's not always easy. There are times when relationship with another person is hard. How do I know that that's hard? Well, because none of us are perfect. Uh, if you and I have, have uh, begun to get re- have a relationship together, you spend any time with me and I have not disappointed you yet, uh, I, gotta, I don't want to burst your bubble, but it's coming, I will. Why? Because I'm not perfect. Not intentional, but none of us are perfect. But here's the thing, devotion is what keeps us connected. Devotion is that, is that choice to say, you know what, I recognize I'm not perfect either and I'm still going to be present in the relationship of community because that's what Jesus modeled for me. I'll say it like this, when you don't give yourself a way out of it, you will always find a way through it. This is devotion. And I think this would apply to virtually any relationship, but that's what devotion does. And we see as we look at this early example that that devotion wasn't just for friendship or for themselves. It was far bigger than that. Their devotion underneath the gospel message and this, this good news of Jesus, it literally changed the entire trajectory of their lives. Uh, you know, I've got, these are glasses, these are progressive, like most of you are out there, oh, I can see you now. Like there's something different when you view through the lenses that are made for you. These are progressive, which means they have the ability to let me see clear in the distance, to, to see clear a little bit more mid-range, and I can also read the, the tiny words on this Bible. When I look through the lenses of these glasses, I, think, I see things differently. Like this, I see everything, but it's not quite as clear. It comes into clear vision when I, when I put these lenses on. And the lenses in this first century church, the same for you and I, was to come under the lordship of Christ. And they did this so much that they literally pressed a reset on their entire lives. So they, they looked and they said, okay, the, the commitment, the devotion, were uh, anything that, that Jesus would say, how, how do we live our lives? Disciples, you walked with him, you heard his words. What did he say? What, what, what is it that he instructed us to do? I want to know more. Holy Spirit, show us, reveal us. What is Jesus telling us to do? And they literally took, took all of their life and began to assess all things, and they took all things and surrendered it to this gospel story and living life together, whatever it took, no matter how radical it might have seemed to those that looked on the outside. You know, why, why are you selling your house? Like, why are you selling your land? Why are you taking that stuff to the church? They're just after your money anyway. What are you doing, right? And yet, yet the person who has surrendered in this community were, were willing to do whatever it took to pursue Jesus and the gospel story. And this marked, the, the, marked a difference between community, gospel community, and just any deep relationship. They were devoted to learning more about, the, about Jesus through the apostles, to, to breaking bread and eating together. And this reminder, hey, hey, do you remember that last meal that Jesus had and, and, and this bread? And he, he reminded us that when he went to the cross, now it makes sense. Like he, his body was broken for us. The blood that he shed was the representation of this cup. And they, they did this often together, as often as they ate and drank. It was a reminder together of what Jesus had done for them. They were devoted to these things. The Bible also says that they were devoted to this word called fellowship. 
Now, I don't know about you, but fellowship is not a, a word that I, uh, you know, I use as often today. Like when I was a kid, uh, when I was a kid, fellowship was kind of synonymous with the word potluck. I don't know if any of you are familiar with that. It was, uh, you know, we would get together on a Sunday afternoon and I, I would always get my mom's warning, don't eat Sister Mary's, you know, dressing again. She probably left the ranch out on the counter for hours. You don't want to get sick again. Like we would have potluck together, right? Everybody would bring food and, uh, and that's kind of what fellowship was. But there's something bigger that is happening here. Uh, I love the, the deeper definition. In this context, fellowship means to have a close mutual association, a sharing and willing contribution. Fellowship is, is the perspective uh, way or the prescriptive way. I guess we could look at it this way. It's the prescription of what's happening on the description of what we see in this context. They were committed to one another to living this gospel story out together and really from the example that God himself showed us what this type of devotion looks like by sending his very best in Jesus for you and for me. And you know, as I, as I prayed and thought, I, I can't help but wonder, have we lost the power of devotion uh, in our culture here today, specifically in the, in the American culture to a degree? You know, in our post-culture, now our AI world where, where we have more technology to make life easier and yet we often feel more disconnected and more lonelier than we ever have. In, in this idea when, you know, if it's just too hard, I, I, I'm, not, I'm not willing to do that. I, I don't need to do that. Like if I work at a job and it just seems to be a little bit more difficult, I'll just quit and I'll find another job. Hey, you're not the boss of me, right? I don't want to do that. Like if I don't agree with you or you don't agree with me all the time, I will call you toxic and I want to make sure that I will surround myself only with people who agree with me, only uh, with people who talk like I do, who, who look like I do, who think like I do, because I don't want to have any kind of conflict I don't have anyone challenging me. Have we lost the power of devotion? I'll take the easy road and, and avoid the sometimes hard work of relationship. Have we lost the power of devotion where, where maybe I would prefer to criticize from a distance than to expose myself to the potential disappointment of being in close relationship with another imperfect person? I wonder if that might be the case. You know, this idea of criticism, it reminds me of uh, this powerful quote from Jack Handy. Before you criticize someone, walk a mile in their shoes. That way you'll be a mile from them and you'll have their shoes. <clears throat> so just a little bit of humor break there. It's getting kind of serious this morning. But the idea of what I would, what I prefer just to criticize and, and be, and, and not have to do the hard work of, hey, I don't understand why you said what you said, that, that, that hurts. Like, help me understand that. To not engage in relationship with one another and to say, hey, wh where do maybe I need to repent? Sometimes we're more willing to just stand back from a distance and not engage. And yet, devotion digs deeper and tries harder when things get hard. It shows up even after everyone else has left. Devotion sees the big picture when others might only see themselves. Devotion chooses growth over glory. It seeks grace over offense. Devotion will lay down criticism and pick up helpfulness and support. Devotion will always do what is necessary above what might seem the easiest. And on the other side of devotion to gospel community, you and I, it is what we need to live this life and be fully transformed in the image of Jesus. There is a beautiful place on the other side of what can be sometimes hard. Devotion unlocks a beauty and the grace uh, that you and I can really only experience together.
And now we see the description of what we are looking at in, in, in all three of these passages kind of express itself in the prescription of our next, our next theme. So first, devotion. And the next thing that we see is this. It actually comes from uh, Acts chapter 4 as we look. I'll read verse 34 one more time. It says, in this context, there was not a needy person among them. For as many as were owners of land or houses sold them, they brought the proceeds of what was sold and laid it at the apostles' feet, and it was distributed to each as any had need. Our second theme we see here this morning, that prescriptive theme, gospel community is always expressed through self-sacrifice. Now, it could be tempting just to kind of kind of gloss over some of this and, and, and miss what is really happening in the descriptive part of this passage of really what is taking, taking place. The first thing is this. No one among them had any unmet material needs. Think, think about that just for a minute as you, as you press it. Like, no one had any unmet material needs. Why? Because those that had means had this deep devotion to self-sacrifice and to give of their means to those that had need. There was this devotion and sacrifice. They willingly sold what they had. They brought it to the church, uh, and they distributed it to everyone that had need. Uh, you know, as I was reading through this passage, uh, this along with a few other passages in the Scripture, but this, this is one specific place that for me personally can quickly reveal uh, really the condition and the thoughts that I have in my heart. Like the first thoughts that pop in your head, and I, I, w- I, would, I would encourage you to do this right now in just kind of this moment of self-assessment between you and the Holy Spirit. As I read this picture of, in, in thinking of the, the scenario, people with means, boy, they, they sold everything they had, and hey, I need A, B, C, whatever's in that blank for you, and, and they just came to the church, and whatever it was, they brought it here, um, and like, I got to partake of whatever, whatever I had need from, from the hard work, from the sacrifice of someone else. What is the first thing that pops into your brain just between you and the Lord as you think of that scenario? Because there's a level of sacrifice as we, as we look at that story. Does it trigger kind of this idea of gratitude? Or is it, yeah, yeah, absolutely, people have, have more than me. They should absolutely share. So, so how hard could that be? Like they, they should be people that are sharing. Like maybe they were just rich folk anyway, right? Or does it trigger, does it trigger this level of excitement for you to sacrifice in your own heart? Does it trigger the idea of, yeah, I would love to use the good things that somebody else has. I'm excited about the stuff that I could get. And I've got to look at my own heart as I read because the thoughts that pop into my head are some of the things that, that really, okay, if I, if I look, if we were really going to live this, what does that really look like? Where would I find myself on, on, in this equation? Think about, on the other side, the level of sacrifice that was helping here, that was, that was happening here. Like, put yourself in this story. Like maybe you've, you've worked hard all your life and, 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 and I celebrate that and, and God has blessed you with a, with a second home or, or whatever it is with land as was talked about here and you've worked hard and it's been difficult and you have some things that have value to you. Maybe, maybe you're a person that you had an inheritance and a loved one passed away and, and at this time in this season, most of the time, houses and properties were generational. They were, they were passed down, but, but put yourself in that shoes. Maybe you were given a, a piece of property, a home, and you have memories that you were there as a kid and and you remember Christmas morning at at grandma and grandpa's and now you have this place. Either way, you might have something that actually has high value to you regardless of how you attained it. 
And in this context, these individuals, instead of saying, you know, uh, someday we could let the grandkids come and in third generation they could play in the lake or someday I want to do this to the house and, and that to the house or I'm so glad I've got my hunting property now. Instead of all of those things, they laid all of that aside and said, you know, Jesus gave his life for me. How could I hold on to the things that I have that are, that are just for myself? And they, they sacrificed and they sold and they, and they turned the material things that God gave them, that, that reset on their life, and they brought all things to meet the needs of the community of Christ. Instead of, instead of consuming for themselves, instead of dreaming about the future. So here's the thing as we, as we kind of look and process this a little bit. We, we don't necessarily know. Scripture doesn't say, yeah, all of the rich people, all the people that had high means, if maybe this is where your brains are going here, we don't necessarily know where these people were. The only thing we know is those that sold lands and brought it, they had more means than the person in need. And that's key. The reason it's key is because the self-sacrifice needed to build gospel community isn't just for people that have means. It's for all of us that would surrender to the lordship of Christ. And, and as, I, as I begin to process in my own life, I think we need to ask the question this morning, what absolutes do we have in our lives that uh, I'm okay with as long as God doesn't take that? right? Like, God, I'm, I'm good as long as I still got a good, solid job. Like, anything else can happen, I'm good. God, I'm, I'm good as long as my relationship with this person goes well. I, I'm fully surrendered. Uh, if you touch those things, though, I, you know, I just, I'm not sure. I couldn't live without whatever's in that blank. Well, God, I've got to have a whatever's in that blank. These things begin to reveal our heart. What absolutes are in your lives, and maybe we, we just couldn't give up if the Lord asked us to. What about other things? What about our time? What about your skills, your service, your knowledge, your wisdom? What about your life experiences? And here's one. What about, what about the pain maybe the Lord has carried you through? What about that story that you have that you've, you've held to yourself that it's been hard and difficult and yet you've gone from a place of pain to a place where you've seen the beauty and the glory and the greatness of Christ in a faithful way that you never would otherwise? Has, has God given us those things that we would just hold on to them? Or are they to share with others? Has, has God given you an experience of his faithfulness that someone else has not had because he's calling you to give that and show, show them God is good. Let me tell you why. Let me, let me tell you what I've experienced. Let me tell you how I can, I can reveal his faithfulness because this is what he's done in my life. It's going to be okay. We just sang that song. I'm going to make it through because my house is built on you. What about those places of our lives? I don't know what that exact answer is for you, but I do know this. Self-sacrifice is not about how much you have. It's about how much has you. It's about how much has me. And it could be tempting to look at this story and say, well, yeah, uh, certainly they were just people of means, but actually it was sacrifice for all. And the, the prescript of what you and I do with this in light of today, is God calling us just to sell it all? Like we, we should just look at the description and, and uh, you know, divvy it all up. We come live in this building and we spend all day just praying and singing today. I, I don't think that's necessarily what God would call us in the description of this, but the, but the prescription is, where is my heart of, of devotion? Where is my heart of self-sacrifice? in modeling what Jesus did, what my God, my Father did for me. What does that look like in my life? This is one place where you and I get to demonstrate the heart of Jesus to one another. 
we get to be the tangible hands of God in this space. And it doesn't matter what that level of sacrifice, what the, the thing or the heart or the emotion or the time, whatever that is for you, what would the Father ask of you this morning that you and I would be called to surrender? The final theme that we see uh, in our text is actually found back in the book of Colossians. And uh, I'm just going to remind us of verse 15 as we've read this already. Excuse me. This is this. And let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you were called in one body, and be thankful. And that phrase, you were called into one body. Our, our final theme we see in these passages this morning is gospel community is a place for everyone who will repent and believe in Jesus. Everyone is invited to the table. Everyone. We are made one body by the, the life, the death, the burial, the resurrection of Jesus Christ who will come again to, to fully restore all things. His kingdom is now being revealed upon this earth. One day will be fully complete upon his return. We are one family. All those that would believe in that gospel story, repent, turn from their sin, turn to Jesus, fully trust in, in the forgiveness and the grace that God offers through him. We are one body. You know, I've got a, you know, so a family of seven. We've got a larger, uh, a larger kitchen table than some. It's actually two tables that I got, and I kind of sandwiched them together. They're, they're clamped together so we have enough space. Uh, and interesting enough, probably like many of you, most of the time that table is not cleaned off and ready to, to have a meal on. Most of the time, life is lived on that table. So we might have a project working here or something there. Or, or clothes just got stored there because that's what flat surfaces do, right? They, they attract stuff. Uh, but inevitably... Anytime we do come together to the table, there are two things that happen. One is there's an invitation to come to the table. Uh, Number two, there is space made at the table for everyone to come. Uh, And it might be uh, any given day where Bethany says, hey, dinner is ready. uh, And, uh, you know, I could hear Christian playing bass downstairs. And so someone has to extend that invitation. Dinner's ready. It could be someone calling out from the end of the steps. It could be uh, their dad taking the lazy route where I just text him, dinner's ready, Christian, uh, instead of walking those 10 steps downstairs, right? But there's invitation to come to the table. There are times when we have relatives that come over and now our seven turns into to 15 people and there's, there's not space already at the table so we scoop things apart and we, we move things around a little bit and we bring more chairs to the table. We make room at the table. The invitation is given and we make space at the table. We both come to the table and we make space for others to come to the table. When it comes to gospel community and living in community, there's a place for everyone, but it does require two things, us to respond to the invitation, and then we have the responsibility to invite others to come to the table, to make space at the table. And I, you know, I just wonder where, where your heart and my heart would be in that place this morning. You know, as we, as we talk about community, I think it's important to acknowledge a couple things. First, you may have genuine hurts relationally 
from other people in community. And when we talk about this idea of community, the first thing that might pop to mind is like, Dave, you know, this person they said, they did, um, and I, I just don't know if I could trust again. And I, I want to acknowledge that that's very real. We're not trying to gloss over any of that this morning. You, you might also be here today and you're kind of on the other side of the equation. Like, Dave, I am completely satisfied in the friendships that I have and the life that I'm living with the people that I have. And my only question would be, is, is that community largely central around, around pointing you to become a disciple of Jesus or, or helping another person to do the same? That's just a question I would ask. You, you might say, Dave, look, look I've, I've tried to build relationships and it's awkward and it's weird and it just hasn't clicked yet. And Yeah, I just, I just don't know. It just, it's just so difficult. Um, you, you might be thinking on the other side, look, Dave, I'm, I would totally do it, but I am so busy. Uh, this, is, this is one of the biggest things that I hear. I, you know, I, I do spend some time um, meeting with, with people throughout the week, and one of the number one things I hear from, from my world and theirs as well is just how busy we are. Almost, I think this is almost an American thing. There's just so many things that we have on our plate, so many choices. And you might be saying, Dave, look, I would love to, but I'm, I'm just so busy. Or maybe you're on the other side. Look, Dave, I am an introvert. I've got to have my alone time. Crowds bring me anxiety. Like I, you know, I just, I can't be around lots and lots of people. So I just, I, you know, it's a wrestle for me. It doesn't matter where you're at in this spectrum. I want to acknowledge that all these things are real things that we experience, right? Community and, and getting to the place where, where gospel community is something that we're, we're living out together. It's, it's not easy, and I want to acknowledge that here this morning. There are times when it's hard. There's a beauty on the other side of that that is outstanding. There is, there is something, though, that is, that is the innate heart of God, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, who God literally exists in perfect community, that there's something that's, a, that's wonderful. Thank you. Love, love that. <clears throat> Hopefully we'll remember that now, right? Community. We're doing life together. Uh, and you know, sometimes, like, like, like here's, here's the deal, like, we, we come to church on Sunday, and it's easy to put on, like, the perfect, this, this is a clean version of Dave, right? I got it all, I got, I bought this new shirt on Amazon, right? I'm ready to teach today, right? Like, we come together, and, and, uh, and we, okay, let me make sure I don't say, I, I'm, I'm not angry, so I, I got to make sure I don't say the wrong thing to someone, okay? I know so-and-so is going to talk to me, like, they're going to ask me what their name, like, I got to remember their name. We put on all these, these good facades, um, you know, I was, I was thinking this week, we, we had the, the opportunity to, to celebrate, <clears throat> celebrate the life of, a, of a, a family member here at Trinity, Dave Sirline. And here's the thing, I'm, I, was, I was helping in tech in the funeral, and this is just me, let me just be transparent here this morning. I'm sitting in the back and I'm saying, I'm, I'm looking and I'm seeing another gentleman who's, who's with the Lord right now, but he and I share the same name. And then I look and I see he and I were born the same year. And I just... It, it just kind of paused for a minute. I began to think, and as I'm listening to the stories of, of someone's life who passed from this life into eternity, here's what I, what I didn't see celebrated were, uh, even though there were lots of things that Dave did on this, on this earth while he was here, those were talked about. But you know what rose above was the people that he lived his life with. It was the people that he invested, both his family and, and those that began to know him. And it was, it was a beautiful picture as, as you looked at the end of, of his days on this planet and the Lord calling him home. What jumped out to me is, is the things and the relationship and the community he had. That was the impact. And sometimes we, we just make this, this list of excuses to ourselves. I can't, I won't, it's hard, I just don't know. 
And yet at the end of all days, when, we're, when, we, when we think about this thing called death, which most of us really just don't do, right? That, that happens to someone else. But it's in those moments that there's something real that takes place. The, the brevity of what you and I are living on this planet, the Bible says it's, blood of vapor, it's, it's a vapor. Like the, the time for me to exhale in the cold and my breath to go and be gone, in, in light of eternity, that's the distance of time that we're living in right now. How often do we put the whole of our efforts in the things that really just don't matter? And I would leave us with this description. Come to the table. If you've been outside and you haven't come yet, for whatever, whatever's on that list, Jesus' death on the cross is strong enough to cover it for you. Come to the table. If you're at the table, invite someone else and make room. Super simple, be, begin, if that's, if that's hard for you, just the practice that I've done for years, just begin to practice saying, hey, how you doing, and smiling to a, to a person that you, you've just seen. The simple practice of thinking outside of yourself, it's just a very simple, maybe begin to invite someone to the table in that way, whatever that is, but come to the table, make room for others to come. And then I want to end with this, this description, we've read this already. This is Colossians chapter 3 again. And I'm actually going to jump to verse 12 because this, this is the call. At the end of the day, this is, this is the heart of God for you and I. So whatever our excuses are on that list, this is what the Holy Spirit is saying. I'm here to empower you to do and I'm calling you to do this. Colossians chapter 3 verse 12. Put on then as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience, bearing with one another, and if anyone has a complaint against one another, forgiving each other. Have you ever had a complaint against one another? They they might even be in this room. Keep looking straight forward. What do we do? We forgive. Why? Why do we forgive? As the Lord has forgiven you, so you also must forgive. And above all these, put on love which binds everything together in perfect harmony. And let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts to which indeed you were called into one body and be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. We've done that together today with thankfulness in your hearts to God. And whatever you do in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. This is the picture of how we interact with one another because God modeled this for us. He sent his best in Jesus. Jesus gave us his Holy Spirit. He will never leave us or forsake us. We can do this together. Trinity Church, you and I should not just be the the friendliest building around. We should be the friendliest people around. We should have the greatest impact because of what our Father has done for us. We can be these things because of the Spirit in us. I want to invite you to stand as we close this morning. And as we do, I would just ask uh, and invite you to simply ask the Holy Spirit, what is, what is that one thing? 
What is that one thing that I need to take just that next step toward being a disciple of you, Jesus, and helping others do the same? Maybe it's an increase in your devotion and you need to just repent of a lack of that. Maybe it's a, a, a repenting of a self-seeking there's spaces in my own heart that I, I need the Lord to, to touch here this morning. Maybe there's, a, there's an invitation to someone else at the table that the Lord has called you and empowered you to do, and you just, you just need to step out and do that. Maybe you've not come to the table. The table is open for all. God created all things. We have rebelled against him in both our actions and our desire to just be our own God. Yeah, but Dave, I, you know, don't I deserve to be happy? What, what about happiness in this life? And the answer is no, you, you don't. I don't either. That's the heart of the gospel. God does not offer us what we deserve. He offers us what he deserved. That's grace and that's mercy because he went to the cross and made the payment for my sin, for your sin. Happiness is something that has to do with the things that happen around me. A person could say the wrong word and I'm not happy anymore. My job could, could change today and I'm not happy anymore. But, but God offers us so much more than that in Jesus. It's joy and peace and forgiveness and grace so that we could be this community together. If you've not come to the table this morning, the Father's calling you now, come to the table. How do I do that, Dave? Simply just repent of your sin. God, I, I can't do this thing called life on my own. I know I've rebelled. Forgive me. The Bible says that he will give his spirit to live inside of you. He's already working in you right now. You know who you are right now because God is already speaking to you whether you're in this room or whether you're watching online. Come to the table. The Spirit of God says it's, it's not, not a new leaf. It's not like, okay, I'm, I'm going to try a new diet. No, no, there's something in eight that, that the Holy Spirit will take the dead heart that is in you and bring you to life like you've never experienced because the life of your Creator is living inside of you for those that have repented. Come to the table. And for those of you that are here at the table, invite someone in. And as we look, what is your one thing today? Maybe it's to come. Maybe it's a place to repent. I would invite you just to say, Holy Spirit, what is, what is that one next thing that you're calling of me? I would invite our prayer team and, and elders if you would come down now. And if you need prayer this morning, I'm going to close this in prayer. And as they're coming, we are here at this altar. We're here at this place to pray for you, pray with you. Whatever that one, you can come down. Whatever that one thing is this morning. Maybe it's come to the table. Come share that with us. Whatever that one thing is, that place of but don't do it alone. Don't do it alone. I'm going to pray for us. And then we'll be here this morning if you need prayer. God, we just acknowledge we, apart from you, can do nothing. And Jesus, you've, you've said that. You've, you've given us your Holy Spirit that we could surrender. Repentance is a grace that you offer us. Thank you, Lord, that there's no condemnation for those of us that are in you, Christ Jesus. You don't offer us a list of rules. You offer us a relationship with the God who created us. And not a distant one, but a one where we can live together, pointing towards you and inviting others to the table. So God, I just pray this morning for my friends that are hearing the sound of my voice. Have your way. Transform as only you can do. 
empower us to respond to your leading this morning? What's that next one thing for each and every one of us you would ask of us? We want to see your signs and wonders and your goodness in this community. God, we don't want to we don't want to gather for fake religion. We want to express the overflow of who you are to us individually, but we want to do that together. Make much of your name in this place, in this community. Have your way. In your name I pray. Amen. Thank you, friends.